think we, testing, testing, I think we ought to say amen again. Aren't you glad you serve a God that is all that? All what, all that, anything that you can name that is a positive superlative, he meets that qualification. He has no weaknesses, he has no limitations. Aren't you glad that you serve a God that is all that? The Bible says one time he was making a promise to someone. And usually people swear by something. So your God and my God looked around for something to swear by. And since he didn't see anything greater than himself to swear by, the Bible says that he swore by himself that he would do what he said he would do. That's the kind of God that's all that. And tonight I'm so glad to be able to pronounce and I'm so glad that our young people sang that our God is all that to you and all that to me. Why don't you say amen for your God one more time? I, I, I didn't intend to do that. But when you, you start talking about God, I get a little bit excited. I, I, I forgot that I have this backache going on. I got one of those patches on my back right now to sit there. And I, I was wondering how am I going to stand up. But they got to singing about my God is healer. I felt something go through my back just then. I said, well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, young people for that musical selection you have set the table talking about our God. And again, I, I just, I just want to thank Pastor and Sister Lee Wars. I, I understand that there's something big happening in your life. Something's growing and it's, it, 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 it may be close to time, but you find yourself doing the work of the Lord even until the end and that's that's to be commended and the little one is even hearing the word of God being pronounced and what better place for them to be than in church and I thank you for your commitment for that praise praise God for that and for the young people that have been a part of the program tonight and all week. It is good to see young people involved. I've said it before and I will say it again. I have been to locations. I went to one church and the average age of the five people that were there, I did the math because they all told me how old they were, so I did it quick. The average age was 72. They had a 58-year-old, that was the young person that I was coming to speak to that day. And they said, Pastor, our church isn't growing. We can't seem to attract the young people. They keep leaving. What should we do? And we gave suggestions, but... But you were doing it right. 
You see young people up here in the Bethany Seventh-day Adventist Church at Bridgeton, New Jersey. They asked me at a young age to get up front a few times. Sometimes I tried to sing and people politely said amen and clapped, even though I wasn't carrying no kind of notes. Still can't. They let me get up and pray a few times and I, I wasn't sure of what to say. I even did some welcomes and yeah, I wrote the thing down too, just in case I wouldn't forget. The scripture, I could handle that because that was pretty much reading and I, I could do that part well, except for when it got to those big words. There you go, and I gotta get it right tonight a few times, huh? But my church, continued to have faith in me and were it not for that I wouldn't be up doing what I do now so by you investing in your young people now having faith in them now brother Adrian working with the pathfinders with them now praise God You have no idea what you're doing. And to have a youth revival, and for those of you that are, how can I say this? At one point in your life, you were able to check the box that says youth. By your being here, showing support to the youth that are here, you are showing them that they are valued. And you are saying, when I go to heaven, I want to see you there, too. And so I appreciate each and every one of you. You came out on a rainy night, and you showed your support physically, and I, I just commend you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you have your Bibles, I invite you once again to turn to the book of 1st Samuel and we will again look at although it was read so well earlier I want us to refocus on the 30th chapter and I, I, I just want to consider verses 1 through 6 1st Samuel 30 1 through 6 and let me just say this before I even continue. Last night I said some stuff. And I was about as transparent as one could be. And I let you know everything and all things that I struggle. I struggled. I am struggling. And I have my things. I didn't say that for people to go and uh did you hear what the pastor said last night, girl? I got in my car, called my wife. She said, I heard what you preached about last night. <laughs> I heard you were talking about me. I said, what? She said, I got friends in Las Vegas. <laughs> Praise the Lord for those friends. And I'm serious about that. But I do hope that in what was shared, the intent was not lost. That God is still a good God. 
And that even in the midst of whatever storm you can go through, if you let him in and you stay on the ship, things will turn out all right. I hope that was not lost in the delivery. But now we'll look at 1 Samuel 30, 1 through 6. Now it happened, New King James Version, when David and his men came to Ziklag. On the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, they attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire. And it taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Ahonoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, I practiced that so I would have it right, had been taken captive. Verse 6, now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I invite you to pray with me as we talk for the next few moments on the topic, <coughs> singing in the rain. Let's pray now, Jesus, we're here. We're here because you want us to be here. We're here because we are eager to hear a word from you. Jesus, disappoint us not. For those that are watching online and for those that are here now, whatever our need is, because you promised to supply all our needs, I am asking that you meet the need tonight. You instructed me to change my sermon to this one. And I sent Elder Lewars the text just shortly before arriving. Let this sermon reach its intended audience. And may all who hear it be richly blessed because it is from you. Thanks, Jesus. Now do what you do best. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Singing in the rain. I have always liked musicals. 
to look at me, you may not think so. But I like musicals. I liked, I liked the songs that are on musicals, because you can remember those things. Somewhere over the rainbow, you remember that. Musicals. Hello, Dolly. Musicals. I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy. A Yankee Doodle Do or Musicals. There was even this musical from, uh, I think it was 1978. Michael Jackson and Diana Ross was in it. And I liked that one too. I was eight years old when it came out, but I, I remember I was ease on down, ease on down the road. I remember that thing. I like musicals. And the, my favorite part in that one was when Eveline stood up and she sang, don't nobody bring me no bad news. And to this day, 30 years later, I tell that to people in my house. I tell that, I just break out in song. They're like, dude, what are you doing? Where did that come from? You know, the young people, because they don't know nothing about the whiz. You understand? But I break out with that thing. Don't nobody bring me no bad news. I'm like Eveline, don't want to turn out it like she did, but I, I like that philosophy. You understand. Life has a way of being like a musical. The plot in life thickens. You have your crescendos and you, you have your low moments, but life can be like a musical. And if ever there was someone whose life was a musical, it would have to be my favorite Bible character, other than Jesus, David. It's just something about that name, David. It just follows me wherever I go. I just like that name, David. Man, after God's own heart, David. If you look at 1 Samuel uh, uh, 16, it says David was ruddy and good-looking. I had to tell that to my wife one time. She was talking about me. I said, hold up. Let's go to the word. I turned that thing. I said, David was ruddy and good looking. That's biblical. That goes for all of us, baby. Yeah. <laughs> if ever there was someone. <laughs> that was funny to me. <laughs> If ever there, I did that too, I actually did it. If ever there was somebody who, who, whose life was a musical, it was David. You know his story. Out there doing the sheep thing. Samuel shows up, pours a little oil on his head, boom, you're king. He was, yeah, but back to the sheep. I'm anointed king, but I got to go back here to the sheep. For how long? A long time. And nobody cares that I was anointed. David, who dad said, uh, your brothers, are go, go take something to them. Because they have a giant issue to deal with. And so he shows up. Rock. Shh. 
the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Shoot, cuts off the head. David has killed, or Saul has killed his thousands. David his ten thousands. All is good until Saul picks up the sword and want to have a thousand and one. David, 13 years before he would ever become king. He had it going on, and suddenly the wool was pulled out from under him, the carpet, and he's forced to run. And everybody that had a challenge in society became a part of his merry men. And they went from cave to cave to cave, running from King Saul. And twice the nemesis came into the cave where they were. One time the Bible says King Saul went in there to use the bathroom. If you are ever vulnerable, it is then. And while he was handling his business, and his robe was lying there. David cut off a little piece of it and instantly felt guilty. For he said, one should touch not the Lord's anointed. Stop right there. This is not part of my notes, but I'm going to say this. There's something to that touch not the Lord's anointed thing. It used to be. That people, I got to go back up there and preach. It used to be that people respected God and they respected those that he set aside that they would respond that way. But now in these modern days, things have changed. And you can tell the level of respect we have for God by how we treat the people that God has called to represent him. No matter how sorry King Saul was, David said, it is not my place because God put him up there. It is not my place to be the one to tear him down. Now, I, I work in a certain place. You know where I work. And I see a lot of strange stuff that goes on in a lot of places. And it just makes me wonder, have they ever read what David said? Where it says you got to be careful how you mess with the man of God. But David, go back to your sermon. Walk back up the stairs. Stand right here. Read. Touch not the Lord's anointed. We should be the same way. That's what I was supposed to say. All the rest. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. But it's true. David had been running from Saul almost 13 years his mom was in the cave with him because since she was David's mom Saul wanted to kill her too 
Jesse was in the cave. All the brothers who, who didn't like him, well, they were in the cave under his protection too. The whole family and everybody else, and they went from cave to cave to cave for 13 years. Some of you in here, you're not even 13 years old. So that's more than your lifetime. Others of you, I want you to think in your mind at 8.02 p.m., think in your mind what you were doing 13 years ago. My Lord, what was I doing? <laughs> I was 28 years old. Mm-hmm. Wow. I moved to Michigan 28 years ago so I could go to the seminary because the Lord had the call on my life. A lot has happened in your life and my life in 13 years, but imagine if you had to move ever so often. After a while, that gets kind of old. And you just want to stay in the same cave and not pack up and go every so many weeks because somebody trying to kill you. That's the background for our text. 1 Samuel 27 verse 1, the Bible says, And David said in his heart, Now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines, and Saul will despair of me to seek me anymore in any part of Israel, so I shall escape out of his hands. He said, he's looking for me all over Israel. I'm going to the land of the Philistines. Because he won't think to look for me there. And for 16 months, I'm setting this thing up. For 16 months, one year, four months, David lived in the land of the enemy, thinking that could protect him. Sometimes... We align ourselves with the enemy, thinking that that can take care of whatever needs we may have. We know what's right, we know what's wrong, but we also know for the moment this feels right. It will protect me, it will help me, it will fill in the blank me. So we align ourselves with the enemy but as soon, this is how the devil is, as soon as you get over to his side, devil is like that brother that says to the girl, girl, you so fine. Oh, oh, oh. I ain't never see nobody look as good as you. And he worked that thing like a hunter after prey. He stalks. He tries some of everything, even talking to the friends to try to get to, a, you can't say that, David, to try to achieve the goal that he would like to be actualized in your life and his. Because you may not have ever 
achieved that goal before, and he would like to be the one to assist. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as he has climbed Mount Everest, as soon as he has gotten to the top, other mountains, Kilimanjaro, begin looking fascinating to him, and he climbs down said mountain and leaves it in its wake. And you're left holding the pieces. That's how the devil is when you align with him. And the Bible says that David aligned with the Philistines for 16 months. And then they turned on him. David would go out with the Philistines and fight battles. Whenever they tried to conquer other nations, except for Israel, he would go and fight for them and help them win. David was down with King Achish. But then the day came for them to fight Israel. And them Philistine brothers got together with the king and said, now look, king, David's cool and all, but you remember Goliath? Our brother, David was walking around with dude's head on a stick. We hadn't forgotten that yet. Do you remember that David? Saul has killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands? You remember he was anointed, and one day he's going to be king of them. Do you really think that he is going to join with us and fight them. King Achish, David has got to go. We want him out of Philistia. We want him out of Ziklag. The brother got to go. Yeah. So King Achish went to David. Dave, man, I'm sorry. You got to go. People don't believe in you. And David had to go and tell his soldiers that had 16 months of not going from cave to cave. 16 months of actually living in a city. 16 months of feeling normal. He had to tell them, boys, we got to go back to a cave. Got to go back to Israel. Got to go back to ducking from King Saul. Because we got to go. And so we see David and his merry men going to Ziklag to gather their belongings and leave when there in the distance they see smoke. They quicken the pace just a little bit because they like, wait a minute, that's where we live. Now you know when you hear the, the fire truck coming and you're not quite home yet, but it looked like that fire truck has turned on your road. 
I don't know about you, but sometimes that, that's happened to me a few times, and I don't know if this is legal or not. Lord, forgive me, but I get behind the fire truck, and I know what color the light is. That might be my house, and he might need my help, because I recognize the house and what's in it. So sometimes he's, woo, woo, woo. I'm, woo, woo, woo. I do it out the window myself, you know, woo. Because that could be me, my, my stuff burning up. You know what I'm saying? Well, in this case, it was. They, no, not for me. Not for me. Praise God, my house ain't never burnt down. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not home right now, but Lord, please just protect my wife and my son. Amen. Had to get that out there. Okay. David and his men looked in the distance, and it was their house, their city. Not only was it on fire, but the fire had gone almost out. And they looked around for the donkeys, couldn't find a donkey. They looked for the food, couldn't find the food. Then they looked for the people, and the people were gone too. Recap. They were told. You cannot stay in the land of the Philistines. Pack your stuff and leave. 16 months of peace and, uh, and tranquility. They're going already discouraged. Then they see everything that they love gone. Put yourself in their position and how would you feel? Afraid. They didn't know what to think. And it wasn't the Philistines that did it. Bible says the Amalekites had been there. Bible says in 1 Samuel 30 verse 3, So David and his men came to the city, and there it was burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. They went to Ziklag, and everything was gone. You ever went to Ziklag and had some Amalekites fighting you? Amalekites through your bills. So high you don't know what to do. Amalekites destroying your ziklag by having your car repossessed, your house foreclosed, your ziklag being damaged when they say if you want to work on the Sabbath, or if you don't work on the Sabbath rather, I know you got that sundown, the sundown thing going, but we got 50 people out here that want your job and they willing to work sundown any day I ask. So you are expendable. The Amalekites that tell you you don't have the money to get done what you need to get done. You don't have the money to go visit Aunt Sue who's dying in another part of the country. You don't even have the money to send us a, a card of condolence because you don't have 44 cents. 
when the Malachites attack your Ziklag, come on, David. Satan starts playing tricks with you. I thought you were a Christian. You came to that youth revival. No, you were sleepy. Should have stayed home and went to sleep. But you go there thinking you're going to hear something, and now look what happened to you, so-called Christian. And, and, and see those people that didn't go? Or those that are not looking? Those that could care less? Those that are enjoying the bright, shiny lights? Look at how blessed they are. And you call yourself a Christian, and your ziklag has been burned to the ground by the Amalekites. <laughs> See what happens? They say, when you stick with that, David. See what happens when you stick with those leaders that encourage you to do the right thing? You lose it all. Verse 4, then David and the people, 815 David, then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. You ever cry till nothing else comes out? You ached and ached and ached and you can't even describe it no more. Soon you like zombie man going through the motions. 1997, the Lord said to me, David, he told me this in 1988 and I deferred. <laughs> he said, David, I want you to enter the ministry full time. I said, Lord, I got a job full time and I'm perfectly content. He said, I want you to go. I want you to quit your job. Come on, Jesus. And I want you to go to the seminary, $32,000 a year. I said, Lord, how am I going to pay for it? He said, I'm not telling you. I just want you to go. I'm like, Lord, you are. I couldn't say he was crazy because he was the Lord. So I said, I must be crazy if I do that because I didn't want to talk bad about the Lord. You understand? And so I had to share this vision with the lovely one in my life and her one-year-old son, who was also my one-year-old son, as we lived in the same uh, uh, city with her parents, and she was the youngest daughter, and that was the youngest grandchild. And I said to them, guess what? We're moving 12 hours away so I can go to school, don't know how I'm going to pay for it, not going to have a job. But God told me to go. <laughs> I just see my father-in-law and mother-in-law. God bless them. They're beautiful people. And they're men and women of God with strong faith. But I could see their faith waver just a half second. As they said, you're going to do what? I got the feeling that the Lord needed to work on their hearts and minds a little bit more as I had only been married to their daughter for four years and they were instantly regretting that decision. We went through it. Somehow the Lord paid the 80,000, okay, I'm still paying the student loan, but the Lord made a way for me. <laughs> 
<laughs> Lord Jesus, that thing expensive every month. He's still paying. But the Lord made a way for me to go to school, and I finished. Yeah. Hallelujah. Got me a job, thought everything was going well. My wife was happy. My son was growing up happy. We, were, we had settled in Ziklag. Till stuff started happening in Ziklag. I had some medical issues in Ziklag. The bills started mounting in Ziklag. And despite the job and despite everything else, July 27th, I can say this now, I'm over it. July 27th, 2005, I had talked to Ford Motor Company because I had two new cars and I kind of missed my agreement twice, but I told them I got you on Friday when I get paid, and I did. They told me later, we didn't believe you would make the payment. So they sent two tow trucks to my house, and I had company at my house too. How embarrassing is that when you can't even take your company around? They're like, Pastor, where are we going now? I don't know, let's walk. And I watched and my wife and my son. Well, David Jr. wasn't there, praise God, but they told him. <sighs> my car's gone. I said, it can't get no worse than this. Then I got a check in the mail from the bank. I'm like, well, praise the Lord, what's this? They sent me all the money back I had given them. When I was behind, they said, it's too late. I'm like, what? Get out! I said, this is not happening. We just bought this house. And a year and a half later, my wife had to sit up all night and pack up that thing. And we had to live out of my car. She working for Andrews University. I work for Andrews University. We established people. And I'm living in my car, driving around looking for somewhere to kind of you know, take care of what I needed to take care of without letting people know. I even had to do a baptism. After they took my car, I said, Lord, just give me a way to baptize those kids. Then after they took my house, I had another one. I said, God, you got a good sense of humor. Because I'm telling people that they need to follow you. And I lost Everything I have. You ever go to your ziklag and see it on fire? Burning. You ever cry and you have no more tears to weep? 
That's how David, that's how his boys felt. And then the Bible says, David was greatly distressed. In the story that I just told, this David was greatly distressed. Then it says, the people spoke of stoning him. In my story, I better not say that. <laughs> not everybody was happy. Let's just say that. What do you do when all hope is gone? When you're seemingly abandoned by God and you got nothing? I'm going to give you four things, and then I'm going to leave you alone. Four ways to restore your strength in those ways. Number one, number one, you can use these as quiz questions too, or at least one of them. Encourage yourself in the Lord. The last sentence in verse 6, but David <laughs> strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Encourage yourself in the Lord. How do you do that? You start remembering how God brought you through things in the past. When I was a little boy growing up in, in the Bethany Seventh-day Adventist Church in Bridgeton, New Jersey, they used to sing a song. It didn't mean anything to me then because they always sang it before they had the prayer, so you just knew and you could sing it, but mm, you didn't even think of anything. But when I started going through some stuff, poof, I instantly went back to there, and I would sing, I really love the Lord. I really love the Lord. You don't know what he's done for me. He gave me the victory. And I love him. I love him. I really love the Lord. And I've been singing that to myself a lot lately, you understand. But when you start thinking about your loving, when you start remembering where he brought you from, you just get a little bit encouraged. So when you get down, when there, you don't have any more weeping left in you, you must strengthen yourself. You must encourage yourself in the Lord. Number two. Number two, reach out to the people of God. God has people in this church and in other congregations in this city that have gone through some stuff. And the reason they went through stuff was because God knew you were going to go through stuff and he knew he could trust them with it so they could come and witness to you why you think you go through some of the things you go through. Because God has confidence in you that you're not just going to hold it to yourself and be mad and bitter, but he knows you're going to show somebody else how I got over, how I got over. My soul looked back and wondered how I got over. Reach out to the people of God, the Bible says in verse 7, after he strengthened himself. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, bring the ephod here to me. Went to the priest. 
said, I want to know. I need some encouragement from you. Number three, look to the Lord. My time is almost up. Look to the Lord. Verse 8, so David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this troop? said, Lord, should I go after these Am Amalekites? Because if it's your will, and I sure hope it's not, but if it's your will, we'll just stay here. But if you give us the word, we go on and get our wife and kids back. And the Bible says, the Lord answered him and said, oh, I like this part. Mm. I've been waiting all sermon to get to this one sentence. Here it is. Pursue. <laughs> For you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. What does that mean? Ooh, when you look to the Lord, the Lord knows what you lost. That doesn't mean that it's gone forever. He says pursue after it. Look unto me and eventually you're going to recover it all. Everything that you lost, I'm going to be like Job on you. You're going to have a Job-like experience. I'm going to give it to you double for your trouble. Hey, I'll even triple it for you. When we all get to heaven, i got to stop 827. What a day of rejoicing that will be. Pursue, for you shall surely recover all. Don't look to nothing else. I'm going to go a few seconds over, okay? Okay. I got the blessing to go two minutes over. Psalm 121, verse 1 says, oh, Living Bible, shall I look to the mountain gods for help? How many times we look to the mountain gods? People look, uh, people out there look to alcohol and they look to uh, clandestine relationships and look to drugs and look to other things to give them a certain thing. And we in the church, we look to position. We look to how we look. We, we, we look to how holy we can be instead of looking to Jesus. David wrote after his experience, Psalm 121.1, when everything had been taken from him, he said, shall I look to the mountain gods for help? Living Bible. Then he answered his own question. No. My help comes from Jehovah who made the mountains. Look to the Lord for help. And who? When you look to the Lord for help, I took 100 milligrams of that painkiller, so I'm feeling really good right now. Look to the Lord for help. And things can happen for you. And number four, after the Lord told him what he wanted, number four, arise. Arise. Go do what the Lord tells you to do. Once you look to him and you ask him, then step out in faith. You know the story of Joshua. He fought the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. I know, but before he got to Jericho, they had this thing called a Jordan River. And the Jordan River separated them from the promised land. And the Lord didn't, he, he didn't immediately, you know, the Lord with the Red Sea, he just, whew, you seen the Ten Commandments, behold his mighty hand. And the waters flew up in that movie. Jordan River, no. The Lord said to him, go on across. 
dudes was like, now, Lord, there, there's a little water there. I know somebody had to think that because there's always one in the bunch. But it wasn't until they stole Jesus. It wasn't until they stuck their foot in the water. As soon as the first toenail touched the water by faith, then the Jordan River parted and they were able to walk on over to the other side. Sometimes you don't have to know how God's going to work something out. You just step out in faith. 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 Step on that thing and God will do something in your life. feeling this thing I'm feeling this thing I'm feeling this thing somebody in here need to step out in faith tonight Somebody in here need to put their toe in the Jordan River tonight. Somebody need to believe God just because he is up in here tonight. Somebody need to put their faith into practice. Make it more than just singing a hymn. Make it more than just an exercise you have been trained to do by your parents. But just do it. Be like Nike. Just do it. I got to quit. I'm done. Last point. Last point, because I got to finish. If you look, oh man, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. Say this. 1 Samuel 30, verse 19. I'm going to read it. 18 and 19. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his wives. Nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which had been taken from them. Hear these last three words. David recovered all. When you let Jesus in, no matter what, has been taken from you in life. You'll recover all. Because when you got Jesus in your life, you got all you need. I like musicals. I really like musicals. You can play something now because I'm tired, so I'm going to stop. I don't have but so much energy, you understand. Got this little illness. I get tired easy. I kind of overdid it, but I'm having a good time with it. I like musicals. 1952. This musical came out almost 60 years ago. And I, I, I kind of liked it. it. When it first came out, it wasn't one of the biggest ones. But now it's one of the best of all time. It's a classic. Gene Kelly, Donald O'Connor, and Debbie Reynolds. I, li I like this one because in the end, Debbie Reynolds has her zigzag experience of recovering all when she's able to overcome the female antagonist in the movie. 
But the part of the movie I remember the most, and the part that's the most famous, is Gene Kelly's performance in the title song. He had just kissed the Debbie Reynolds character. He realized, come on David, that he was in love with her. And, and no matter what challenges they would face together in the future, as long as he had her in his life, it was going to be okay. She says to him, it's raining outside, you don't want to get sick. He looked at her and said, from where I'm standing, it's sunshiny all the time. He shuts the door, and then he begins to sing the title song of that musical. He says, I'm singing in the rain. Just singing in the rain, what a glorious feeling. I'm happy again. I'm laughing at clouds so dark up above. The sun's in my heart, and I'm ready for love. Let the stormy clouds chase everyone from the place. Come on with the rain, he says. I got a smile on my face. I walk down the lane with a happy refrain. Just singing, I'm singing in the rain. When you let Jesus in, when you fall in love with Jesus, <laughs> when you fall in love with Jesus, no matter what kind of clouds, no matter what kind of Amalekites, may come and try to take your zigzag away when you fall in love with Jesus. The devil may think he got you. He, he, he think he about to stomp you. I, I, I just want you to tell the devil something tonight. I want you to tell him something. I know it's 834. I'm almost done. I want you to tell the devil something. Devil think when he burned your ziklag. He think when he took things away from you. He th the devil uh, uh, thinks that he got you. He thinks that you're buried. Because when you're dead, they bury you. But I want you to look at the devil tonight. When you leave this place, I want you to look at the devil. And I want you to say, devil... Mr. Devil, he didn't bury me. He just planted me. <laughs> he just planted, because you know when you plant a seed, it got to go way down, down, and you got to put a little manure on it sometimes just to help it grow. So all that stuff you're throwing at me, Mr. Devil, you think it's got me. But guess what, Mr. Devil? I'm going to grow. And I'm going to keep coming up. No matter what you throw at me, I'm going to keep coming up and keep coming up. Climbing on up to higher heights. He didn't bury me. He planted me in devil because of that. Because I'm in love with Jesus. Because I let him in, I can sing in the rain. And because I can sing in the rain, I'm going to be like David in the Bible. I'm going to recover all, 
all that you took from me. I'm going to get it tenfold. And get this devil, I'm about to pray, get this devil. When the new Jerusalem is brought down, and I'm up in there, and you out there, right before we say bye-bye to you forever, you're going to see with your own devilish eyes that I got everything back and more that you took from me. God sent me here on a Wednesday night to tell you, let Jesus in and you can sing in the rain. Father, in the name that is above every other name, we give you praise. Lord, it's been raining the past few days, but in our lives sometimes it seems as though the rain will never end. And Lord, we have cried and cried and cried some more. But I'm so glad, so glad for the text. Psalm 30 verse 5, my favorite text in the Bible says weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning somebody in here needs some joy somebody in here needs their song back somebody in here needs to recognize that they weren't buried they were planted somebody in here needs to sing in the rain whoever they are wherever they are in the name of Jesus, because you promised to supply 